Welcome to Gateway Community Church, Webster, Texas. We're so glad you found us, and we hope this message helps you discover more about God and His unique plan for your life. Well, I do want to echo Tom's gratitude for men and women who, who have served and are serving. We are grateful for you. Uh, we take it as a privilege to be close to Ellington, and each year when they have the air show, um, and they're often didn't happen so much this year, but sometimes the jets are flying over. Uh, we don't take that as an interruption, but as, a, as a, a blessing and thank God for those men and women who serve. So thank you for that. Uh, also want to welcome those of you who are in our membership class earlier this, this morning. Glad you're here with us. Um, I, I, I greeted you over there, and, and you'll get to see what I actually did while you were over there this morning. We're glad you're here. We're in a series looking at relationships and particularly considering how during the, the holiday period, sometimes there's more stresses and more issues involved in our relationships. And I don't, I mean, certainly between a husband and a wife, for instance, or family, but, but also in our workplaces and with acquaintances and neighbors and all kinds of things. Uh, those, those things play themselves out. Heard about an older man and woman. They'd been married for quite a few years. They were sitting in front of the fireplace one evening, and the husband kind of reached over and patted his wife on the arm and and just kind of looked at her with kind eyes and said, I'm proud of you. you know. And unfortunately, her hearing was beginning to go. And, and she looked at him for a moment and she said, what'd you say? He said, I'm, I'm, I'm proud of you. And she said, well, I'm tired of you too. <laughs> Good communication really does affect our relationships, doesn't it? And, and as we approach the holidays, sometimes little things can kind of get blown out of proportion when we communicate poorly. Because, I mean, if you think about it, relationships are built on communication. If we're not communicating, there is no relationship. And as we discussed last week, the most important thing we who are followers of Jesus Christ need to communicate is the kind of love that he has for us, agape love, unconditional love. We have the best message in the world. And yet, if, if we don't communicate it well, it can get lost in the noise, or, or even worse. The Bible says in Proverbs 13, irresponsible talk makes a real mess of things. And I imagine every one of us in here can think of times where irresponsible talk, or not being careful how we were saying things, or how somebody else said things, really kind of messed up a conversation or messed up even a relationship. There's real power in how we communicate. So I want us to look this morning at some of the important aspects of good communication for the sake of helping all of our relationships. And we begin with that saying that good communication involves the wise use of our words, what we say. Uh, words are powerful. In fact, words create. Words do more than we sometimes realize. We see that going back to the Bible. Psalm 33, 6 said, The Lord merely spoke, and the heavens were created. He, he breathed the word, and all the stars were born. We have this incredible picture of words creating worlds. Now, we would say, okay, God's word, God spoke, and the universe came into existence. That's God. What about us? The truth is that when you and I speak, we create worlds. We can create worlds of, of joy or, or openness or, or 
where we can be trusted, or we can create worlds that are hectic and, and negative and, and really down. It, it's all about the words. The Bible warns about the danger of not being careful with our words. Proverbs 12, thoughtless words can wound as deeply as any sword. And I suspect there's not a one of us in here who has not been hurt by somebody else in what they said. Proverbs 15, harsh words make tempers flare. Again from Proverbs 15, a deceitful tongue crushes the spirit. Jesus even warns about what happens when we're careless and how we, we talk to each other. He said, I tell you that men, and he meant women, will have to give account on the day of judgment for every careless word they have spoken. For by your words you'll be acquitted, and by your words you'll be condemned. Uh, you know, it, it's easy to say, to dismiss what we say or say, we can't help it. I mean, it's just the way I am. It's just what I'm, I'm used to saying or that's the way I am. But, but I'm here to tell you that if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, now if you're not a follower, this isn't true. But if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, that dis- excuse can't cut it. James says, if you claim to be religious, by, there he, by that he means to be a follower of Jesus, if you claim to be religious but don't control your tongue, you're just fooling yourself, and your religion, your faith, is worthless. Because if we say, I can't help it, you know, I, I just, I, I let that stuff out sometimes, I don't mean to be hurtful, but I just, I, it's just the, the way I am. What you're saying is then that God must not be all-powerful. God must not be able to, to work in your life, that, that you're somehow immune to God's ability and power. And think about that. When we say, I can't do that, of something that God has told us is possible, that God has called us to, what we're doing is we're calling into question the character of God, the power of God. Because if it's somehow he can't do that in you, then he must not be all-powerful. And that's a, that's a big thing some of us need to think about. That some of our excuses really are indictments of what we really think and believe about God. That we somehow are the exception to the rule. That God can work in everyone else but me. And that, quite honestly, does not fit the picture of the God who spoke the universe into existence. Think about that. Spoke all of creation. If God who created all of us isn't able to work in any one of us, then there's something wrong with that picture. That doesn't mean it's easy. It doesn't mean it happens immediately. It takes time. It takes prayer. It takes help, often from others as well as God, to help us become more aware of what we say, how we say it, how it comes across to others. But our words really do impact our communication and our relationships. Second, good communication is usually more than just our words. There is a nonverbal component, a nonverbal element to that. And sometimes we're very aware of that, but sometimes we're not aware of what we're communicating nonverbally. Um, some years ago, Susan and I got married, and it was a wonderful time, a great day. It was a long day. Uh, we got married up in Tyler, Texas, 
And uh, the wedding, it was uh, June 21st, so it's the longest day of the year. So we, we, we had the wedding at 8 o'clock in the evening. And then the, the reception was right there. And um, by the time we had gotten, gone through all the, the rigmarole and all the wonderful stuff, and we'd had a very full day from the morning all the way through the afternoon into the evening, we were pulling out from, from Tyler. To, we were driving to Dallas to a hotel there, and it was probably 11 or 11.15, 11.30, something like that. And, man, it, we were excited. We were pumped up the first half uh, half the drive about an hour we're great but i'll be honest with you the, the second half of the hour we, we were both our our motors were starting to kind of idle and calm down and we were getting a little tired and we pulled up to the hotel in north dallas and i, I remember you know i was grabbing some luggage and i still have this picture of susan walking into the lobby and she was carrying her rollers with the the uh, cord dangling out behind her and we <laughs> We walk in, we walk up to the front desk. It's now after one o'clock in the morning. We had guaranteed late reservations. And we say, my name's Randy, this is Susan Hageman. I was excited to say that. And um, the guy looks up the name, he says, oh, sir, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry to tell you this, but we're overbooked. And I, what? We had guaranteed, guaranteed late reservations. He said, well, yes, sir, I understand, but you need to understand that in the state of Texas, we can't make somebody leave, and we had some people who chose to stay today. I said, we're on our honeymoon. This is a star. We just got married, you know, and I don't know what I looked like exactly. I mean, I don't think I'm, I'm an overpowering presence, but the guy behind the counter kind of backed up, and he said, sir, don't hit me, <laughs> and I mean, to this day, I still don't know exactly, I mean, I hadn't thought about it until he said it, but when he said it, it was starting to sound like a pretty good idea. <laughs> you know, that, I mean, here we are, this long, wonderful day, but long day, and, and we're, we're, anyway, and all of a sudden, we can't, we don't have a hotel room. And they said, well, we'll put you up over somewhere else, and they did put us up somewhere else, and they comped us and all that kind of stuff. I mean, but, but, you know, the takeaway, besides watch out if it's a guaranteed late, is that for me, that sometimes we think we know what we, are, what we look like, how we're communicating, and yet people interpret something that was not in our, my thought. I was not thinking about hitting him till after he said it. That was not a part of, 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 of what I was, where I was going. And yet, that's what he saw. And, and that tells us that, that communication, while communication is about our words, it's also about our emotion, our, our, how we're looking, uh, uh, our, all kinds of things. You know what I'm talking about. The body language, all those things. And studies have shown that a significant portion of how we communicate comes through the nonverbal. Now, somewhere there's a study years ago that said like seven, only 7% 7 of what we communicate comes through words. I looked that up this week to, to just dig into it, and it's actually a false. It's a, for a very narrow set of circumstances. So it's usually more than 7% of, of words, but, but... A huge part, perhaps more than half of what we communicate, is carried through the nonverbal. How you say, what you say. And because of this, I have learned that there are some communications, some conversations that should only happen person to person, face to face. Yet, what do we see today? You know, I use email. I, I, I only occasionally look at Facebook, so don't blame me if I'm not liking you or something. It's, it's, I just don't look there that much. I do a Twitter thing, 
of scripture that I read each day, but I, I send email, I, I get texts from my kids all the time. I mean, that's, sometimes it seems like the main way we communicate. And, and the problem is, I have observed and I've seen times when people have communicated through Facebook or through an email or through uh, a, a text or a Twitter feed, and then they wonder why something blew up. You know? I, I'm grateful for emojis, and I have used the little smiley face on the little, you know, those different things. They're great, but I just want to tell you there are some conversations that you cannot adequately convey what you're thinking and what you're feeling. It's hard enough in person. And then to try to do it distance through digital or social media. Again, it's not, a, it's not saying don't do it, but it's saying let's think about how we communicate. Are we communicating the message that God wants us to communicate in the best way? And that may mean that sometimes we need to pick up the phone or we need to go see someone face-to-face rather than sending them a text with an emoji. And, and that's something we really need to be, be aware of. Um, I've seen a few settings where, yes, it is helpful to write out what you want to say because you've got some very clear, precise thoughts. And so there are occasions where it is better to write in order to communicate exactly what you want to say. But I'll tell you that probably more often than not, any kind of important or significant conversation probably needs to occur in some way that conveys more of your nonverbal communication than through an emoji. Third, good communication recognizes that every one of us is different. Every one of us. And sometimes I think the most helpful thing I can help someone do is understand that somebody else doesn't see things the same way they do. We kind of, we grow up in our settings and our environments and we start to think everybody thinks or sees things the way I do. And so if I talk about it and I don't give a lot of background, I think they're going to understand it the way I do. And yet if you look around this, just this room, we have people born in lots of different countries, not to mention almost probably every state in the union. We have, some of you grew up in great families and some of you, the truth be told, you know your family was a struggle. And you've had a lot to overcome. We're all different ages. We're men. We're, we're women created differently by God. Sometimes society, they want to say men and women are the same. We're not the same. The Bible says God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them male and female. He made a distinction from the very beginning. I remember a comedy that Susan and I went to see back in, this was the early 90s, um, it, it was uh, in Dallas at the time. It was called Defending the Caveman by Rob Becker. And I was looking up this week. I hadn't heard about it in a while, but I discovered it's the longest-running solo play in Broadway history. It's still showing, and they have shows that go around, and they have somebody who's doing it in Vegas. Rob himself is not doing it, I think, as much. But in, in this, Rob talked about the differences between men and women and how we see things, we do things differently, and, and it was really funny. It was, it, was, it was great. It was about the time that some of you remember the book Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus came out, so that was kind of a big thing back then, but he gave some examples. I, I mean, one of the ones I always remember is he said, you know, when, I, when, when you as a couple go to meet another couple, when the, the, the two ladies see each other, they say, oh, you know, the ladies walk up and they say, oh, your hair looks so nice. I love that blouse or whatever it is, or, you know, um, you know, they're very complimentary. 
And the guys are looking at each other, you know, and maybe we hit each other on the arms. Yeah, we call them a name. And then we walk out and, and we either go out to the car and we work on it or we sit down in front of a, uh, the TV and watch sports game, you know, football or whatever. And, and it's like you looked at them and they were totally different. And, you know, you asked them, how did it go? The, the, the wives would say, we had a great time. And you ask the guys, the women who look at him and think they're crazy, but they say, yeah, man, it was great. Man, I love that guy. I mean, we have such a good time together. That's the kind of guy I can hang out with. You know? And yet it's like night and day different. And, and I'm, I'm speaking in generalities here, but, but men and women often communicate differently. Men tend to be more linear I'm going to do this, and then I'm going to do that, and then I'm going to handle that. And don't ask me to do three things at the same time. Women, and, and I'm, this is only my thinking, because so many of you have raised children, you've been forced to do so many things at once, you can hold a lot of things up in the air at one time. We guys, I mean, we're just, give me one thing. I'll get it done, and then I'll do something else. But, but not the same. One expert said in, in most interactions, women share feelings, men solve problems. And, and, and that's so true. A lot of times, ladies, you, you may want to tell us about a problem you had today. And as soon as you tell us you had a problem, it starts running through my mind, our minds, okay, I can show her how much I love her by fixing this. I know it, 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 there's just, there are a few steps here, and we just got to work them through. And I'll, I'll listen for the information, but I'm, you know, I, we can fix this. This is going to be okay. And she's over there, and, and, and I'm interrupting, but did you do this? And what about, and she's saying, stop. You're not listening. And it's because she's not looking for a solution. In fact, the solution may be the furthest thing from her mind. What she wants is, to con, is for me to have an experience, to know an experience that she has had that day. And for me, it's, there was a problem, and I need to fix it. And this can create a lot of tension in, in communication as we, one person wants to share the experience and one wants to fix it. And a lot of times, ladies, you want to say to us, stop trying to fix it. Just listen to me for a change. Does that sound familiar for some? Yeah, I heard someone. Um, it's not, I'm saying this not to say, this is a complaint about men or women or how we do things. What I'm trying to say is that God created us different. And we have to understand that, that in order to communicate, what may be what is most natural in my mind may not be what is most natural in yours. And if I make assumptions, well, you, can, you know the rest of that story. So we, we want to be careful about not assuming that everyone communicates the same way, whether it's men, women, different cultures, different ages, different kinds of jobs. It's all over the board. And yet, a lot of times, our first assumption is that we know exactly what has to happen versus listening. Fourth, good communication seeks to be authentic. Now, authentic, Webster defines authentic, true to one's personality, spirit, or character. Authenticity is important. It's always been important to good communication because communication is more than about facts. It's about knowing someone. And when you and I communicate authentically from the truth, we know each other better. The, the, Jesus said the truth 
will set you free. Now, admittedly, he, he used that, and, and when he said that, he was talking mainly about his teachings. But in a broader sense, it, it is true. Because the problem is we aren't always satisfied or comfortable with the truth. Yet good communication requires that. Open communication. Because when, when we're convinced that we're hearing the truth, we build trust with that person. And good communication is dependent on trust, to, to, to know. If you have somebody at your work that you don't trust them any further than you can throw them, it doesn't matter what they say. You may, not, you may not take it. You may not be involved in it. They may have the best advice in the world for you how to handle an issue at work, but because you don't trust them, you'll never go there. So good communication means we begin by being authentic because it builds trust. It requires open communication. It doesn't mean we have to tell somebody everything about ourselves, but we don't mislead about the truth or imply something that isn't the truth. And it doesn't mean that we have to be brutally honest for shock value. Sometimes, especially Christians, sometimes Christians love to pull out that scripture that says, speak the truth in love from Ephesians. And, and, and they forget the love. They think the love means, well, I'm a Christian, so it must be in love. But what they really want to do is they want to beat someone over the head. And they have found that if I tell the truth, I'm only telling the truth. That's, that's all they say. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just telling the truth. But the question is, is it done in love? And I would tell you that until it can be done in love, maybe you don't need to speak the truth, at least to the degree that you want to. If we're honest, a lot of times when we're quote unquote speaking the truth in love, what we're really trying to do is hurt someone, get back at someone, work against them, stick it in their eye. You know what I'm saying? Most of us have probably been on the receiving end of that at one time or another. Everything we do in our relationships, including communication, should be expressed with with agape love, unconditional love. That's the context. That's the setting. Fifth, good communication realizes that we can get better at it. It's a skill. Communication is not just... I'm this way and I'll always be this way. That we can learn how to communicate better uh, and, and we have to practice it. But here, here are a few things and, and I've, I've witnessed this and, and shared this at times when I've done premarital counseling. First, that we use I statements instead of you statements. Because here's the thing, if, if you're talking to someone and, and it's getting a little tense and you say, you make me mad. How do you respond to that? Many of us get defensive. What do you mean I make you mad? I don't make you mad. And and truthfully, when you say you make me mad, that's not an honest statement. The real statement is, is when you do this, I feel angry. There's a difference between an accusation and a report. See, when I report, when I use my I statement that when this happens I feel angry I'm reporting I'm not accusing I'm saying this is out there there's an issue going on here and this is how I am feeling I'm not saying you're the cause of it it may be that I'm misinterpreting something maybe that you are the cause that you're doing something but 
What I've done is I've reduced the tension. What, what I've observed is sometimes I'm sitting with a couple and, and they're going back and forth is they, they, they accuse one and the other one gets defensive and accuses the other. And then before long, you watch this for about three or four minutes and they're no longer talking about the issue anymore. They're, they're just mad and they're just throwing, throwing stones at each other. And that's the problem is sometimes it's the process itself that destroys how we work. So if we, be, if we tone it down and we come back at it with I statements instead of you statements, not accuse, but state, this is what I'm experiencing. It's reporting. It's honest. And there's a better chance for each of you to hear and work through it. Another is to practice what some call um, ref, uh, reflective, um, reflective listening. And it's... Um, this idea that we really need to listen a lot more than we talk. Guy was expressed some concern about his wife to a friend. He said, my wife is talking to herself a lot these days. And his friend said, well, my wife's been talking to herself for years now, but she doesn't know it because she thinks I'm listening. You know? And, and let me just say that it's, it's, it's easy to hear, but it's a whole different thing to really listen, to understand what another person is saying. That's very different. A wise person once said that the good Lord gave us two ears and one mouth for a reason, that, that it is valuable to listen, that good communication is so much about listening. And reflective listening is about actively listening and then repeating back what we have heard, reflecting it back. And I know some of you have heard this in, in various kinds of classes or work settings or whatever. It sounds easy enough. The truth is, if we don't practice it and work on it, it's going to feel awkward and stilted. And yet what it does is it says to the other person that we're listening, we are communicating with them. Because instead, what, what often happens is when somebody's talking, we're already running in our mind what we're going to say next. And we don't actually hear them. So when I take the time to really listen, listen well enough that I can say, now let me, let me, get, let me understand if I get this right. You're saying that I'm really insensitive when I call you whatever. Okay. Um, maybe I'm right. Maybe I'm wrong. But now I'm going to them for help in resolving it. Am I hearing you right? Not I'm jumping in and just trying to do it. Help me understand. Tell me what you mean. Let, let's talk about this and, and do that. Another one is to stop mind reading. That is assuming that the other person already knows what you're thinking. Um, one of the ways we sabotage good communication is, is claiming that if the other person really cared about me, they would understand. They would know. They should know what I'm thinking, what I'm feeling. And, you know, that's a great thought, but from what I can tell from experience and biblically, the only person that's ever been able to know what somebody was thinking was Jesus Christ. And some of us, some of us are more dense to getting the truth. And, and I would say, I mean, sometimes people have said to me, didn't you, didn't you sense that? And I said, no, I didn't. But if they assumed I did, and I wasn't reacting well, then already we put up a barrier in our communication. And so to, to, to look at someone and 
not assume that they know, that we're going to tell them, we're going to share with them, we're going to be open with them, ask questions. Uh, uh, it, could end, it could really pull back a lot of frustration. And this is not just in husband and wife or parent-child. I mean, this is in the workplace. This is in any kind of setting. Sometimes people jump into a conversation because they think we, we know the whole thing. They say, wait, 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 wait. I know everybody else here in the room knows what's going on. But I'm lost. I'm confused. Can you back up and tell me? And that's, that's invaluable for making good conversation, good communication, good relationships. You know, and here's the thing. Um, even if you've got to practice this stuff, it can feel awkward and, 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 and all. I realize that. It may be that you need to do some reading. There are good books out there now that talk about it. And here's the thing. If you consistently are running into some of the same problems in communicating, you may need to get a professional to help you, a counselor, to come and, and listen to you talk, to talk with them. Some people say, well, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to do that. And, and the question is, is, is the relationship you're trying to build important enough that you will do what it takes to communicate well? Because sometimes our pride gets in the way and we think, I shouldn't have to do that. You know who's the only person who should have never had to do that? It was Jesus. All the rest of us are flawed. All the rest of us are sinners. All the rest of us fall short of the glory of God. All the rest of us are going to make mistakes, even with the best of intentions. And so sometimes, when it really matters, we ought to look for professional help. Because if that person is important, or what we're trying to work out is important, is that, is that, it, 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 it takes more strength, more courage to do that than to back away or to pretend. Think about that. And then finally, good communication seeks to understand even before it tries to be understood. Sometimes, I alluded to this before, sometimes we're so caught up in making our point that we never hear what they want to say to us. We don't understand their point because we're only concerned about ours. We're waiting for them to give us a pause in the conversation so that we can jump in with our remarks, our comment, which may now be three minutes back. It's no wonder that sometimes feel like they're just talking past each other, because they are. Proverbs says, fools have no interest in understanding. They only want to air their own opinions. And when we're focused on our point, when we're focused on winning the conversation, when we're focused on, I need to be right, then there's a good chance that communication is going to go very poorly. And then we wonder, what went wrong? What went wrong? I want to suggest to you that sometimes it's okay not to win. Sometimes it's okay not to make all your points. To listen, to be heard. Because what's more important? That you're right about a point or that your relationship is right? And that's sometimes where the scale comes down. Am I going to be right and perhaps ruin a relationship? Or am I willing to back down or make it irrelevant for the sake of a relationship? Again, it may seem obvious in a husband-wife setting, but that can be true in the workplace too. 
You can be the boss, and you can know that someone working under you is wrong, but you know you have a better chance of influencing them over the long haul if, they will, if you will maintain the relationship, if it's not a catastrophic thing, and let them figure it out on their own. It, it's, it, it, it's important how we look at that. That's why Paul wrote to the Philippians, to all of us, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. In essence, this means that there is a way of communicating that reflects Jesus Christ and his values in us, that, that communicates and communicates humbly. That it's not all about me. It's not about whether I win or lose. That if I'm loving this person, and remember, the agape love is not about romance. We're called to love even our enemies, to accept them for who they are and sacrificially work for their good. Sacrifice. That means that we're going to have to give up some things. We're going to have to lay some things down. And yet, if the relationship matters, isn't it worth sometimes laying some things down for the good of the relationship? God would say, I laid down my son for the good of a relationship with us. So he is our model. That's why it says, "Be look what he did. Have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Now, being humble doesn't mean being a doormat. And, and Jesus could be direct, and he could get his point over at times when people didn't want to hear what he had to say. But the Bible says our attitude should be like that of Christ Jesus, kind, humble, operating from agape love of concern for others more than from self-interest. And that means that our ultimate concern is more than how we come across looking in the situation or what even people think about us or whether we won the argument or not, but are we looking out for the interests of others? Are we loving? Because that is the investment that changes lives, that changes stories, that changes communities. We don't change anybody. We don't change the world around us if we're always so dogmatic about what is right that they can't hear any love in us. But if they hear love, they will often hear the truth in ways that we could never say otherwise. In essence, trying to Intentionally trying to have good communication is simply a way of showing agape love to another person. Colossians 3.17 says, and whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus. For if you're not a follower of Christ, you're not under that mandate. But for those of us who are, that means that in every setting, in every conversation, in every communication, our commitment to Christ calls us and he expects us to strive to be his representative. You know, the old statement, what would Jesus do? WWJD is still accurate. How would Jesus talk in this situation? Would he get, would he get upset if somebody put him down? No. 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 Because he cares more about the person than about being even right in the argument. 
You're going to walk out of here in just a couple of minutes. And in the next 10 minutes, 30 minutes, few hours, you're going to have multiple conversations with a lot of people. Maybe at a restaurant. Maybe someone you know very well. Maybe someone you've never met before. Maybe somebody out in the lobby. You have the opportunity to decide, am I going to communicate as Jesus tried, as he did? Am I going to try to have an, um, a humility about me? Not because I'm scared, but because Jesus loves me. I don't have to worry about others. I can just love them back. I can, I can live for the sake of them. Can I have conversations that could profoundly influence relationships in my workplace, with my neighbor, with someone in my own family, this coming these holidays? Are there opportunities? There's someone that, that just always irritates you that maybe today you could be thinking about how could I be more like Christ to them to communicate? Doesn't mean you like everything they say. Doesn't mean that you, you know, suddenly you're the best of friends. But could you communicate love and acceptance and, and care without compromising your values, but do it in such a way that it could really change the relationship. Maybe God could open some incredible new doors, some incredible opportunities. That's what it means to live out that agape love. It's not just a theory. It's not just some Greek text that we set aside. It really is about how you and I live today. How are you going to live? Jesus is with you. His spirit is in you. You can do more than you know if you will listen to him. And if you want to talk with someone, if you're concerned because you're struggling with somebody, you need somebody to pray for you or to encourage you, our prayer team is going to be right down here, and they would love to talk with you right after this. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, there's not a one of us that gets it all right. Not a one of us that knows what somebody else is always thinking. Not a one of us that always says exactly the right thing. And yet, by your grace, through the power of your Spirit in us, every one of us can do better. Help us, Father, in all of our relationships to communicate in ways that are kind and loving, that, that are authentic and genuine, that are not about winning or getting in the last word, but that are about investing in others. Father, that's a big change for many of us. Help us step outside of ourselves and to love others as you have first loved us. We ask this, we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Go out and love someone today. God bless you. To learn more about us, visit www.gateway-community.org. Welcome to your journey.